morning. It's Money Talk with James Ross. It's 18 minutes to nine. In your money today, Carolyn Wright looks at what's happening in the local property market in terms of making the transition to net zero emissions. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. I'm joined again today by Andrew Lau, who is Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers, to talk on matters around ESG and property here. Thanks for being here again, Andrew. Good morning. Now, last time we spoke, we finished the discussion mentioning transitional risks and lofty goals for carbon reduction and targets of net zero. So what do we really need to be bearing in mind around the property market and aiming for those goals and the risks around it? There are so many things we need to consider. Obviously, transitioning to a low carbon economy is a big thing in the real estate market. But in terms of carbon reduction, first of all, we really need to understand what kind of carbon emission we are dealing with. There are so many things underneath. First of all, is operational carbon, the carbon that you emit on site and the carbon that we purchase from the energy sources. And the other one is about the embodied carbon and the scope-free emission. What, what we call scope-free emission is the carbon emissions that we generated due to the business activity such as the things that we purchase, the transportation, the people take to the building. So those are the scope-free emissions we have to understand first in order to reduce. And in terms of going to the next zero, it's going to be a long, long battle down the road. We are talking about 2030, 2040, 2050. It's still a long way ahead. So what we really need to keep in mind is we have the big go ahead. What we need to do step by step. So don't think too much ahead. So define a target, short-term, medium-term, long-term target, and then plan something like three to five years so that we can utilize the most advanced technologies up to today. So those are very, very important. And set aside some budget to make sure we invest every year so that we can go on this decarbonization journey. Those are the big things that we really need to look into at the moment. Okay, let's delve into that a little bit more. You mentioned putting aside a budget for it. And I imagine there's a a, a balance at the moment. The economy isn't in the easiest of places and people are looking towards what's the essentials and what's the nice to have. And I think you say that being ESG compliant is very much an essential. Maybe not everybody has, has gotten around to that way of thinking yet. So for businesses looking to cut costs, how much are they willing to spend just a little bit extra on office space that has a good ESG certification? I think in reality, none. <laughs> Everybody trying to cut their costs like to the bottom of the rock. But this is not the right things to do, I think. First of all, if you're not going to spend, it's actually going to cost you more. So if you're going to optimize a building, so that's something that is really, really low cost that at least you need to do. First of all, maximize the efficiency of what you have before you replace it so that you can minimize not just the carbon emission, but also the utility costs, operating costs, so that you have become more profitable. But the people who doesn't spend, they just keep on spending all of those unnecessary costs all the time and obviously contributing to the carbon emissions. And they just don't think ahead. And the other way around, for the landlord and the real estate owners, when they are going to have a very strategic plan so that they optimize the building year on year, they are actually facing a much more easy journey down the road so that they are controlling their budget, their operating cost is lower, so that when the economy hits, they actually can survive better. So let's talk a little bit more about that and the landlords and their operational expenditure. What is the potential for saving if you actually do go ahead and you set yourself your goals and you go for these goals? How much do you think is possible for, for to make in terms of operational savings? 
the opportunity is varies building by building. But from my experience, I think 20 or 30% is achievable. In a recent study that we've done in our company, we actually make a scenario for a live building in Central. They are able to reduce 25% of operating costs simply going through the retrofit that we recommended. And it's going to be huge for them because think about building operating costs is about like 100 million a year. 25% is a huge amount of money. So in terms of optimization, there are so many details lying within the project. So how to use our technologies so that not just optimizing the energy efficiency, but also the operational efficiency. So lots of manpower resources can be reduced down the road. Those are also something that we look into so that the operating cost is minimized in the future. That is a massive difference that you, you talked about there. But in terms of, say, capital expenditure, the outlay that you, you're going to have to put in to start with, what should landlords be aware of around allocating budgets for that? That's something that I think we have to become more innovative and think of the boss. So in the 80s, the Americans, they are also looking to reduce their operating costs. At that time, carbon emission is not a big thing, but to them, the operating cost does. So what happened is they figure out there's a contracting model called energy performance contract. They can utilize some very professional engineering calculation and take the calculation to the bank to finance the project so that they don't have to spend anything upfront and they can generate a positive cash flow the day one they sign up for the project. So those are the innovative ideas that landlords should be thinking about. So we talk about green finance, sustainable finance all the time. So we have all the tools nowadays to facilitate this type of project. So they should be thinking about, first of all, what type of project available in the building. So what are the opportunities first? Instead of putting their own money, is there any other way they can do like green finance so that they can utilize the funding from the bank, the government, so that they can go on this journey much easier as well as making positive cash flow. So those are very important messages to them. Absolutely. It makes sense to investigate what schemes might be available to give you access to, to doing that a lot more simply and easily. Yeah, more efficiently as well. Now, one other thing that you brought up in a, a recent report from Colliers was an interesting thing that I don't think I'd thought about, and it's around insurance and ESG certification and, and the possibility that some buildings could find themselves becoming uninsurable because they haven't the right certification. So what do we need to know about that? Yeah, that's a really big thing. A lot of the insurers, they are not really putting that into consideration yet. But in the Europe and the American, they actually look into that. So for the building that is not going through a decarbonization journey, they will become stranded down the road. So there's a mathematical model that can calculate that. Some of the building we calculate recently, they can be stranded by 2026. So only two years ahead. So they could become uninsurable from the insurance perspective. So they really need a robust ESG framework and program in place. And they have to be very disciplined in terms of implementation to make sure they mitigate all the risk from physical crime risk we talked about previously and the transitional risk that we talked about today. So that to make sure that their building is become relevant in the market and also there's a market to rent to the tenants. So those become the factor the insurance company will look into. If the building is no longer in operation, why do they bother to insurance anyway, right? And also the risk for insurance is getting really high. Think about all the carbon tests that are going to click in. 
So we talked about earlier about the reducing electricity fee. We actually calculate that contribute a lot to the carbon tax. So the debt reduction in electricity cost is actually contributing to $400 per tons of CO2 emissions in terms of carbon tax. So those become a risk for the landlord and the real estate investors for their operating costs. And that's quite shocking that buildings could basically become untenable within a couple of years because the, these things are changing so fast. Yeah, it's crazy. And a lot of people, just, they don't even aware of that. So when they talk about, oh, getting some consultant here to do energy audits, so that's just one thing. So when we advise our client, we look into those factors, risk factors, to make sure that they are aware what's the risk ahead of them so that they can put the right capital investment in the right place to make sure they go on this journey much earlier rather than later. Always fascinating to get to speak to you, Andrew. Lovely chat today. Andrew Lau, Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers. Thank you.